You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Dumb Will Speak. I'm Roy. I'm Chalen. How are you today, Chalen? Uh, cold. It's, <laughs> it's the end of October. We have not had a frost yet, which is the first time in my lifetime that I can remember that. It's crazy. And But today is uh, rather chilly as I come here. So we, I am. We went from spring-like weather, and I mean what? Upper 70s? No, it was 80. Yeah. It was in the 80s this week. I went from wearing shorts all week to wearing pants yesterday and feeling like I might should have worn a long sleeve shirt. I don't have a coogee on, but I've got a... <laughs> You're not James White? I don't have a coogee on, the but i The man lives a... in a desert and wears heavy, <laughs> thick sweaters. I don't know how he survives. Uh, but I, sweat, I even in the winter. hooded sweatshirt on them, and it was a bit chilly, and oh, it's cold this morning. But, um, but it's been a while. We have not... Oh, it's been a long time. Uh, we uh, sat down to record, what, two weeks ago? Maybe two two weeks ago, roughly, somewhere thereabouts. We sat down to record. We were approximately 10 to 20 minutes into the podcast, going good, and Roy's computer to finally decided to just implode. It was October 2nd. The day is the 23rd as okay. we record this. So it, uh, yeah, it imploded. It's been three weeks ago today. Uh, it imploded before our very eyes, and uh, we were in the middle of. We do- were having fun. We were twenty minutes into a good conversation. We had uh, been warm and witty and personable. It's something we can't even manage today. I've not had enough coffee. It decided to edit us on its own. It just <laughs> it just silenced us and hit the mute button. Yeah. So, um, so that computer's pretty much dead. I'm trying to remove any valuable files off of it, and then I'm going to erase it down to nothing to the hard drive. See if that works. If it doesn't, I'll just. I'll just drill holes in the hard drive and be done with it. Well, in the history of the show, it was the first time I didn't have my computer. Right. And, yeah. And I was proud of the fact that I didn't bring it this week. I had everything that was written down. I had notes, I had articles. And, we were ready. <laughs> I didn't have my computer. We so, were ready. We were readier. Oh, boy. But, we were more prepared that day than we are today. Well, yes and no. I Well, I say that because I actually have it printed in front of me today instead of trying to go from memory. Um, but one of the things was when we did it, it was, you know, even if we'd had my computer, we'd still lost 20 minutes or whatever we had recorded. Oh, yeah. We yeah, we'd had to start over. We'd had to start over. But, but it's good to be back. And I'm trying to remember the last episode. One of the last episodes we did uh, in the last two or three covered the Ed Litton. Yeah. Um, Sermon Two Gate, I think it was. Ago. Yeah, I think it's been several episodes ago, which that debacle has not. No, it hasn't let up. No. In fact, it, in fact, it just keeps, at that time, new allegations, new things had come out, and we were, we were, we were actually in the middle of talking about that when the computer messed up. Well, and I don't remember the specifics now, but. What seminary so did he go to? And he went to a seminary in Texas, and they were as. Southwest. Southwest. He went to Southwest um, in Texas, and he goes just, I, I think it's pretty much. Uh, standard procedure for the newly elected SBC president. They go there. They do they a tour of the seminaries, yeah. And they do it. And so he's there. He's getting interviewed. And I think a lot of people, especially, I'm not going to mention his name, but one that I talked to was waiting on him to repent and mm-hmm. uh, admit make, what he did. Make a public confession that he had, he had screwed up. And man, he just doubled down on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, I listened to the whole interview Q&A and he ended up explaining it as apparently I have a photographic memory, basically, to paraphrase him. Yeah, I imprint things that I hear onto myself, and 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 then when I preach it, it, it comes across as if this was me and it wasn't. I guess that would be an audio stamp memory then, not a photographic <laughs> yeah, memory. Exactly. You know, I, I'm sorry. You and I have talked about it a lot. I listened to 
MacArthur a lot. I listened to James White. We both listened to you know to the uh, Dividing Line. Um, I listened to Steve Lawson a lot. Uh, but we don't copy there. And, and there may be thoughts that you that that you may read ten commentaries and all ten commentaries echo that same thought on that verse. So sure, that's what you're going to say. I mean, mm-hmm. I always like the Steve Lawson. I've said it a thousand times before. If it's new, it's not true. So there's going to be giants of the faith that have come before that have said these things. And but still, when when you know, it was always described to me as our senior pastor now, our senior elder now that we said under. When you get behind the pulpit, you are basically conveying a study on that portion that you're you're conveying to the to the people there, to the congregants there. And you are basically just taking a study that you have formulated, whether it be words, sentences, paragraphs, whatever it may be, and explaining it. I yeah. mean and get yourself out of the way. I mean that's that's kind of the key. And man, I mean he just I, I, we said it during that day. He he even used the same mm-hmm. illustrations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spoke about a mission trip to. Yeah, I know. So my question still is: Was it J.D. Greer? Did J.D. Greer lie or he lied? Apparently, or 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 was J.D. on the trip of Paul David Trip? I mean, that that could be. Well, I mean, that could be a possibility. But I mean, if not, one of the two told a little white lie about who was there and who was not there. I know, I, and and I that's scary. It is. It is. But you know what's sad is the president of Southwestern, uh, multiple staff members, uh, he, he got he got applause during the uh, during the during his speech. Uh, Thunderous. From, yeah. And afterwards, his defenders came out. What's I'm, talking about, I'm talking about from Southwestern. They came out and said, this is not despite what some people are alleging, this is not uh, plagiarism. Well, what is it then? Have you given a new definition to plagiarism? Okay, you and I had a discussion. I'm in, I'm in I, seminary. I would never have graduated college if no. I had done that and pass it off as my material. I'm in seminary. I just had to write a paper. We just discussed this on eschatology through mm-hmm. the church fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I submitted that paper, I had to submit it into a tool that checks for plagiarism across the internet. Sure. Across the university, across commentaries, across a huge... And that means they're also looking at all published uh, on their own databases throughout universities. They're looking at database you know, from universal university databases of other students' writings. Oh, not only that, they're so looking at the digital well. libraries yeah. of commentaries. So, for example, if I direct quote something, which there's direct quotes, there's also paraphrase quotes in there. But we still, when we paraphrase those quotes and you summarize, you know, basically, unless you're writing a dissertation, if you're writing a shorter 20, 30-page paper, if they, if they get to a section, instead of having a block quotation to take up, they just say, summarize it in your own words. It's still at the end of that. You still quote it. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you, you, you cite it. There's a citation given, and it goes down in your Turabian format, which is the one we use. But it goes down to the bottom, and it tells you that, you know, hey, this is paraphrased. But when, what's amazing is I can look at the report. So once I submit an article or submit a paper, I can look at the report to see, you know, I'm, I've always been curious. And when I tell you everything that is in direct quotes, they can tell you where it's at. I mean, they can, I, I, it amazes me. Yeah. I mean, and I don't, you know, it's a very small percentage of your paper is, you know, direct quotes. But still, I mean, man, they can, it's bam, there it we, is. You know, you're talking about computers and their processing power. Did you hear this week when James White talked about that they're getting ready, to, that they're now working on John 
uh, through, uh, you know, Mark was released. See, I think we talked about that in that recording. That we were raised. talking about Mark getting released. We yeah. really ought to contact him to have him on to talk about that. Sure. See if he, Expl- see if explain he could come that. on. Yeah, we could try to do because that. Because he'd be a lot better than us at sure. trying to explain that. But he was talking about that. Why, why are these, that. why are, the, why is this even important that they're doing this with all the texts? And is what it, it is, is it the database? Munster, right? Well, the, the new one's coming out of, um, it's going to be in England, actually. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. John is being done in England because he was he was expressing some concern over that. I hope they'll keep the same standards. Okay. If not, it's going to make this stuff look stupid. But so far, everything's been done at Munster, yes. He he was saying that um, why it works the way it does is because it can see what the human eye can't see. You take guys with a bunch of papers looking at stuff. It would take them years, and it still takes the computers years, by the way, to do each book, even just to do portions of books. But it, these computers are pouring over every manuscript. They're, yeah. they're pouring over every translation. They're pouring over every witness from the church fathers, from early translations such as in the Syriac and Coptic and all that. The early Latin, they're looking at all of that. And they're collating this and saying this is most likely the original rendering or the closest to the original rendering. And people say, well, that means we never had the Bible. Yeah, we have the Bible, folks. That's not what we're talking about. But... There are some questions. There are some passages. If we're being honest, the ending of where Mark. we're not convinced, we're not convinced one way or the other about the. You know, there's lots of debate raging over it. The ending of Mark yeah. is highly debated. I yeah, mean. and he mentioned Dr. Jeremy Riddle, whom whom is the only person he actually debated last year in 2020 before the whole uh, shutdown. Or maybe he did it online. I'm not even sure. He may have done it online last summer. But uh, they debated uh, textual issues, and Riddle, uh, you know presents the tr the you know that's his standard that is his standard i still wish i had that book that i missed out on the four views of the four four different views on the the longer ending still order you just got to pay a higher price for it well sure on ebay but have you seen what they're going for i don't want to pay that much for a paperback the four views of what (laughs) the four views on the ending of mark that's right that's right yeah you could have got it for like five bucks or perspectives i think b and h academic put it out yeah anyway so riddle was one of the contributors to that and he is tr and he is pro longer ending but uh he he was talking about you know the the books on mark which if i'm not mistaken he said that the mark volumes he showed it on his on, on video when he was doing his episode i think it's like four volumes on mark Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're that's huge. What, that's the shortest gospel. Yeah, they're huge. I mean, these are giants. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated by that stuff. But yeah, uh, if they can catch you plagiarizing, why can't we simply do what you and I did and take clips from both sermons, pass them back and forth, sentence by sentence, and say, hey, somebody plagiarized. But Or, like you said, did Greer get it? From a source, I don't know. I, Did he pay for that? Well, and then we had the whole debacle where the what was the what was the company that was producing helping them basically do the research? Yes, and I heard about that through James White, and I think also Tom Buck has talked about it. Tom there Buck has talked company, about it. There's an online company, and a lot of pre- pastors at mega churches do this. Well, okay. So my question is, if you're the pastor of a mega church, you you've got a lot of responsibility, which means, and I'm not talking about administrative responsibility, managerial. That's not shouldn't be your job anyway as the as the as the preaching elder. What you should be doing is studying and presenting the gospel yeah. in the clearest, most concise manner, in, in in the fullest manner, even. You can expand it and have a long sermon, man. Have a series of sermons. I'm all for that style of preaching. Do that instead of uh swiping and paying someone else to do it for you. While you're in there having coffee with everybody with the staff three times a day, or or you're uh, out having handshakes with all the other pastors in in town. 
do some studying. Well, the you know the sin churches that you know they're big in Cincinnati, they're big in um, Indianapolis, kind of around us. Uh, the guy that's head of this, listen, listen to a tweet he had this week. If you're a solo church planner, stop trying to study twenty plus hours a week for the sermon. That day may come, not now. I know seminary. I'm not going to use the word he used. We'll just say messed you up. Oh. Study six to eight. It's it's not a it's not a cuss word. It's just one I prefer okay. not to use. Right. Study six to eight hours. Hang with your family. Lead. Love on people. Share your faith. You're planning a church, not a church service. You you know where I've been with this for a while. Yeah. I work a full time secular job, and I still put in the study of twenty plus hours a week, and I and I still don't sacrifice for my family. And I've said this before. This is descriptive, not prescriptive, not prescriptive. Al Moeller does this. I get up early, early. I mean, I have been in my office as early as 1 a.m. Yeah, studying. If I know I'm doing something, I have been in my office extremely early yeah, preparing. You're getting up at times when I've only been to bed for an hour or two. Yeah, and, and people then say, well, you go to bed and you sacrifice. No, I don't. I still don't go to bed till 8 or 9 o'clock at night. With my well, And our kids are in school, so when we put our kids in school, I mean, they go to bed early for that. And let's be clear, your kids are young. My kids are young. Your kids and I'm are at still, the age when I also made my children go to bed around 8 o'clock. And, and I'm still coaching them in sports. I'm still being a husband to my wife. Yeah. I'm still being the spiritual leader of our household. But I have said many times, you know, people are always talk about the call. Um, in Timothy, when he says that, it is a call that you desire. Now, it is a God-stilled uh, desire without a doubt. Sure it is. But that desire doesn't mean I stop everything else that I'm doing. It, it means I'm going to have to put in a little extra work to do what I've desired to do. Right. And that, like I said, that that desire is God steeled. But and I don't have a problem. There are great men of faith that are full time pastors, and but they're not pulling an Ed Litton. No, and they're that, not. That pulling is my that, point. He's a full-time pastor, Look, John and he can't study church that. John church would be considered a megachurch. It's thousands of people plus a you couple thousand. 6,000 and two they have, services. They have thousands of, of, of visitors every week as well. And they run 6,000 and, I mean, a piece. Yeah. 12,000 on Sunday morning. So think about that. I think that. That may be 3,000. And what is what is part of his agreement with the he, elders he of that He studies church? 30 hours a week. That's he what has they, his, uh, his time for study, period. But in a properly designed church... There are deacons assigned, not assigned, but deacons doing the role of the, uh, the the role of visitation and caring for the people. That's not to say the pastor doesn't do it, but the problem is in the Western world, in the Western churches, we now think the pastor is just this person that does everything. I mean, it, you need to visit, you it, need to preach, you need to teach. It is a monolith. It, it's, it's monolithic. Terrible. It's it's sing it's singular. It's very monolithic. It's very top down. And, and here's the other thing about that. It creates burnout rates like you would not believe. People can't can't do that. Well, that's what I'm going to say. That's it's what competition. People... It's like a CEO of a major corporation. What is their average years of service as CEO? Three very to six, minimum. Three to six years. Well, and what is a pastor at a two church? Two to five. Two to five. I mean, see what I mean? But that's why we've used that term before, CEO, CEO pastors. pastors. That's what we're looking at. But if you back up and you look at elder-led churches to where it is following the biblical model. You have a plurality. You have multiple you're, people. You're seeing pastors that are 30. John MacArthur's 52 years now. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, I will throw this out. I get to go to the Truth Matters Conference. I did. We did uh, uh, score tickets yeah. to that. So uh, I get to, in person, watch Pastor John MacArthur at the Ark Encounter in Northern Kentucky. 
Oh, um, yeah. And, and my wife and I are going to have a, along with some friends, we're going to have a lovely time for those days. And um, what is it, three days? That's not enough. I know that. I know, I, but I, mean, I think but, it is three days. And sure. We have passes to the, with the tickets, we're passes to the Ark and Creation Museum every day, which, uh, so anyway, there's that little plug there. Have you ever been go. to that? I've been to the Ark. I haven't been to the Creation Museum because we were overzealous and really thought we'd be able to go to both in one day. And we spent seven hours at the Ark and we're like, <laughs> I don't have time to go over there now. I got to go home. They were still building the Ark the last time I went. So it's been a while. So it hadn't flooded yet? No. No. <laughs> no, it was a... <laughs> My spirit shall not always strive with man. <laughs> yea, is ye- I'm doing the King James. <laughs> you shall be 120. 120. Yeah. Hey, and, and so this Ed Litton thing is just run off the rails. And, and, and <laughs> you know, and then to beat it all, we're now in October. Yeah. And what comes to light after the Ed Litton debacle, Mike Stone was through under a bus yes. backed over by the bus during the conventions proceedings stopped and the tires were spun out on top of him and then they drove over him again i mean it's just drug absolutely just tried to defame the man just a defamation of character i will say one thing though it always goes down to voting right uh the uh the problem still is that many of the people that were voting in the preliminary for Al Mohler must have turned their vote to Ed Litton. Had to have. There was a no local he pastor won. here whom we know loosely. Yeah. Who was at the meeting. Yeah. Who would not vote for Al Mohler. Do you know why? He's too Calvinist for me. Oh. Man. So you'd rather have a liberal? And when I say liberal, I don't, I don't mean... Politically liberal. I'm, I mean, liberal in his biblical views. Look, I'm too Calvinist for him. If they if they really understand, if they've ever listened to this podcast or ever paid any attention to my teaching, uh, but but I don't consider myself a Calvinist because I only sprinkle well, babies when I'm washing them. <laughs> those of you who are listening in the uh, the what is it? Todd says the tens and tens of people that are listening. The tens and tens. Uh, if there's ever a question as to whether I am or not, I will settle it in a once and for all statement. You 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 take out the historical pedo baptism of Calvinism and do I lean Calvinist? Yes, I'm a Calvinist. That's fine. The doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of election. If that's what you are settling that Calvinism is, that on, is, that is what they're basing. Then on. yeah, I mean, if I'm going to read the word electos as it appears in the Bible. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'll just go ahead and hammer it home. And then the, the the argument that we've heard time and time again, what is it, Roy? All in Greek. Oh, yeah. You know what that word means? It means all. So, and uh, But I, like I told you this week, if I were to walk into a dentist's office yes, and I said, hey, everyone, all the people in this office today are getting, all the people are getting root canals. Yeah. There's a context yeah. that goes with that. It's all of those patients it's, in that specific room at that specific time. I don't have a cavity, and I ain't getting a root canal. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, so, so I, so, but, I, you know, we sometimes run off the rocker to try to just prove somebody wrong and just instead of going, you know what, we're, and, and we said this week, the people that lean Arminian for some reason are very pugnacious to those of us that lean reform. Yeah. And those of us that lean reform just go on about our merry business and say, here's scripture. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and I, also, I'm not going to spend time. And also it. say that as long as you 
as long as you know that you belong to Christ, as long as your faith is only in him and not in a prayer you said or a, or a way that you live, as long as you're not living by legalism and thinking that's going to take you to heaven, then you're saved. You're saved just like any of the of the chosen frozen and the Presbyterians and, and other reformed groups and the reformed Baptists. Oh, RC. You know, yeah, he's got frozen. I loved RC. I wish my church would get a little more happy sometimes. It's the frozen chosen. <laughs> but in contrary to the people's belief, guess what we still do? We are still missional minded Christians. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we're still. Are there hyper Calvinists? Oh, yeah. That don't believe the primitive in missions? Baptists. Absolutely. There's the primitive Baptists that are hyper Calvinists. And, you know, when. Um, and to be honest with you, I think James White said it today. I think he said it today. When I was you know, many of them deny the existence of hell, right? Oh, yeah. It's just mm-hmm. annihilation. It's you die and you go to dirt. Well, and I think James White said it today. Most of the reformers would burn everybody at the stake. <laughs> Including him. <laughs> Including him. They would have done what uh, they called that the, the third baptism, which was where they would tie them, put, a, put an anchor around them, and throw them over a boat and watch them drown. Yeah. And, and then, oh, and I may butcher his And we think we've got him. denominational issues today. Yeah, and, and, and we always talk about Zwingli, you know, because Zwingli was before Calvin, mm-hmm. and we got, because Zwingli and Luther were kind of the two. Yep. But then there was the, the, the Bohemian Reformation that was prior to that, that was John um, um, Huss, H-U-S. I think I may be mispronouncing that. Please no butcher me if I'm mispronouncing about John Huss. Which I used to make a little joke about the, the Catholic Inquisitors. We cuss John Huss. <laughs> That's pretty good. I've never heard that. It goes all the way back to like fifth or sixth grade. I was a moron even that. then. Yeah, I've never heard it. No, but you know, didn't. He, and I'm, he I'm comes weirdo. before. Remember, I went to Christian schools. <laughs> good independent fundamental Baptist. <laughs> I started church. to say independent you, fundamental Baptist church schools. You went to basically an IFB. Yes, camp. No indoctrination okay. camp. I got to tell the story. I got to tell the story. I got to tell the story. So when COVID hit, my daughter. My my youngest was in preschool, and we just were trying to say the name. I'm not. I'm okay, not. Well, okay. So we were going to send her to preschool, and the local IFB place here was open, and we said, "Okay, well, we'll bite the bullet for one semester." It's expensive. Oh, we never got that far. <laughs> we say, never got we we never got to that point of the discussion. Surprisingly, so. Expensive. So we, I make the call and I talk to the lady in the office and uh, I said, she said, we got like two spots left. I said, great. Okay. She said, okay. And my daughter's three at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Three at the time. And she goes, she'll need to wear a long skirt. I'm sorry. What? And she goes, she'll need to wear a long skirt that covers. I forgot what. And I said, can you please explain where you get that from me? I need to kind of know. And she said, uh, they go right to Deuteronomy. <laughs> Heaven help we use culture to define mm-hmm. it and and you know because that's different but she's an old testament judaic law that was actually confined even then to never mind yeah yeah so she's <laughs> so she says uh we're gonna need them to wear a skirt and we're gonna have to have her wear a long skirt and she's going boys will be boys and girls will be girls i i'm okay with that i mean i'm i'm i believe I was born a male. My daughters were born female. I'm not trying to deny two genders here. I'm just trying right. to get to the bottom of where the skirt comes from and why I can't just put my four, my three-year-old in some shorts and some long pants, as she called them. And she just kind of kind of went on, and she said, the other thing you may not like, I can tell by the way you're talking. I said, oh, please tell me it's not a King James only. And she said, yeah. And I said, thank you, ma'am. Have a good day. We'll just kind of keep her at home. 
I said it, it you know, and I just had forgot how legalistic this stuff yeah. was. I just yeah. I had forgotten. I mean, I yeah. just I totally and and look. Well, we'd had conversations, but there's you, really you nice didn't people. Didn't grow there. up in that. No, I didn't. In fact, you didn't grow up. In a, I, in a specific denomination, I somehow ended up Period. as an associated, well, yeah. a, a borderline one, but yeah. you know, but uh, you know, I, it, it 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 wasn't IFB, but there was no. some there were some leanings. Yeah, they uh, they, by, did, they just didn't do the dress code. The, no, they didn't. There were some leanings by a, a minority of people, yeah. not the majority. No, not the of majority. People. It was a, you know, but you know, I say that there's a lot of good people. I know a lot of people that go to that church that's tied with that school. There's some good people there. There's some really good people there there always is and, i mean and they so have, they feel like they have a solid basis for why they're doing what they're doing they're keep they're, they consider themselves holding to the fundamentals of the faith we've talked about this before and i said if you're talking about a proper confession of inerrancy of scripture uh, and if you're talking about Christ as Lord, and if you're talking about there are some things men and women should not do on this earth, yeah, I'm a fundamentalist, but I'm not that fundamentalist. No, because they that's, have their... That's legalist, and that's a different thing. They're coming out of, was it Mark, what we always say, the traditions of men where Jesus... Yes. You know, kind of gets yeah. onto that. They, I mean, they, they were talking about washing the pots. So I've got a question. Uh, go ahead. Um, how's things going today for the ERLC and the SBC... <laughs> Since well, we, so we've only caught up to where we were the last time we were going to record. Now let's so talk about where the we're review, at since then. After the review, where do you want to start? We'll start with letter one. <laughs> so Russell Moore. Okay, let's tell him who Russell Moore is. You go ahead. Tell him why I get all this garbage well, organized. Russell Moore is a... Um, <clears throat> woke. About my age, actually. <clears throat> I'm sorry, didn't I cough a little there? I'm yeah, he, he's a <clears throat> theologian. An ethicist and a preacher. I'm sorry. Did you know that? Could you describe him one more time? He is a theologian and an ethicist. He teaches ethics and a preacher. Huh. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. That must be wiki. That, that's, must be wiki that's Wikipedia. That must of be Wikipedia. Of course it is. They, they describe him that since June of 2021, he is the director of the Public Theology Project at Christianity Today. Oh, well. <laughs> well... In, Do you uh, remember when Christianity Today was ran by true evangelicals? Because it's not anymore. He writes a letter on February 24th, 2020. He writes a letter called, They Want Me to Live in Psychological Terror. Okay, first of all, as we talk about this, I, I want to be very clear about this. If somebody is abusing somebody mentally, physically, sexually, it's wrong. I'm, 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 if somebody is mistreating somebody because of... Ethnicity, yeah, it is wrong. Chattel slavery is always wrong. Absolutely. So, so I'm. I don't want anybody to, to misconstrue what's being said here. And particularly, let's understand American chattel slavery, which was based solely on race. You own a human yeah. being, but you own them because they are of what they considered at that time an inferior race. He writes this letter in 2020 or in 2020, February 24th, and he writes this, and he writes it. To kind of go over what he's been going through, he kind of goes through his conversion story, and he. he I wish we had the right right now to play a little clip of Warren Zevon's "Poor, Poor, Pitiful Me." <laughs> so he goes through this, and he talks a lot about. Well, the Toby Keith I want to talk about me would be good at this point. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. <laughs> Number one. Or Elvis. I did it my way. Oh, absolutely. So Blue Eyes did it too. Oh. So not your chairman of the board. Keep so going. he writes all this, and then. 
amount of patriotism. And you, this these, letter these, is, by the way, these cultural references of twenty years okay. or more ago are brought to you by two morons. But if you want a copy of the letter, please contact us. This is a PDF. I'll send you a copy. I'm not making any of this. No, up. no. I've got the letters in my hand, and, and we we swear to you on a stack of Bibles. Every time we do these things, we have got the resources to back yeah, up. So what we if, say. if you need a copy of the letter, the copy of the letter here. He begins one of the paragraphs. The lazy, the lazy journalistic assessment will be that is about the president of the United States. This has nothing to do with that. Y'all know my concerns about the perennial temptation toward political captivity of the gospel, and that will always and perhaps increasingly be a concern in this era. But that is not the issue here. Most Trump voters and supporters have been nothing but kind and encouraging to me, from Southern Baptist lay people and pastors to administration officials all the way up and down the ranks. Just as we did with old President Obama, we, we expressed disagreement. We're warranted. But we were doing so, respecting the office and doing, and doing so, requesting a different viewpoint, not engaging in polemic at or attacks. It's okay. I have no problem. So the letter starts off very cordial. This is my conversion. I'm looking at this. He, he begins this. He, he talks there. You know, he doesn't demonize anybody. He doesn't. But as it goes right after that, it, it begins to take a, a very odd uh, turn. And so the very next paragraph after that one, as that paragraph concludes there's a little couple more sentences in that paragraph as it concludes the presenting issue here is the fact that first and foremost of sexual abuse we're three pages in before we get to that way, the, way to bury the lead there yeah so so we're three three pages in page and a half two two and a half pages in the presenting issue here is first and foremost it's obviously not first and foremost because you told me about jordan the baptistry scene that was there you tell me about the last 25 years. You tell me about last week's Southern Baptist Convention meeting. You tell me about Trump. You tell me about Obama. You mentioned China. Oh, by the way, there's sexual abuse. What? Why wasn't that the title of the article? Okay, better yet, why wasn't the authorities contacted? Yeah. Okay? That's the number one complaint I have every time I hear about these so, corruptions and scandals and these cover-ups. So, the EC, that's the executive committee, through their bylaws, exonerated churches in a spur-of-the-moment meeting. From serious charges of sexual abuse cover-up. Once again, why wasn't the authorities contacted if there's sexual abuse cover-up? Why aren't the... We're still... Like I said, we're... So now this is what you're going to tell me three pages in. It says, one of the churches actively had on staff at the time a sex offender. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Where we go, if you're going to do anything in the church... Yeah. First of all, if we don't know you, you're going to be watched. You can't just our children's wing is protected. Basically, mm -hmm. you you nobody can go in there. We have men that patrol during the service during children's church. There are men they lock that certain entrances and exits certain to the door. You can't get into there. They're, they're, good luck getting to the nursery. Good luck getting to children's church without going through about ten people. Some security. Not only that, well, we do Bible school. I had to fill out an extensive. Background church, background, uh, background check. check. Yeah, to be able to do this, I know. My wife works in the nursery. She had to fill an extensive background check, and they and they did. They actually like they contacted. Oh, they contacted the, the references yes. and ran the background check. Yeah, they did. I mean, it was done. I mean, it and it should be. So, 
So, like I said, this is this is letter one. He said, of those churches, actually, J.D. Greer, RSBC president, and I were critical of this move, believing that it jeopardized not only the gospel witness of the SBC. Now, once again, I agree with him here. Absolutely. I don't disagree with it, but I, my question is why? Oh, well, let me read the next sentence. And it says, gospel witnesses of the Southern Baptist Convention, SBC. But most importantly, now, once again, we've buried the most important thing here in the middle of a paragraph, the lives of vulnerable children in the SBC. So apparently he's talking about child abuse, and we still haven't reported it. So now it's time to define a term. Let's tell who he was, what he was. He was president of the ERLC, and you've heard us say that a hundred times. It's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He held that office from June 1st, 2013 through June 1st of this year. That is so eight he years. Was president. Eight years. At the time of he the year. He didn't say a stinking word. So, eight years. And so now it says, well, most importantly, the lives of vulnerable children in the SBC. So you're partly to blame, Dr. Moore. Okay, so you have now wrote a letter. Uh-huh. You've buried sexual abuse two to three pages in. Not only have you buried it through the pages in, it buried inside, quote-unquote, sexual abuse is child abuse, apparently, yeah. based upon what you're saying, mm-hmm. because, let me read Known it again. Known sex offenders on staff at Known churches. Known sex offenders. Let me read this again. J.D. Greer, RS, and RSBC president, and I were critical of this move. Critical weird. Not I, don't, I don't know where you're critical well, at. Why didn't you come Crit- out and say it? Why didn't you get on the talk radio? Why didn't you go to TV? Because why didn't you call the stinking authorities? Do- Dr. Moore, I'm not beating you up and saying that I you're am. wrong. In the- Hold on. I'm- <laughs> well, let me finish my statement. Okay. That you're wrong in disagreeing with this. Right. You're wrong and nobody was contacted, i.e. law enforcement. That's that's my complaint. That, that's my complaint here. I mean, so, J- and, and okay, so let, let's say then you say, well, I'm scared of what they'll do. Who cares? Care about the kids here. I used or to be, about the, as you know, I used to be part of the law enforcement establishment. Yeah. And, and what kills me is the lack of reporting. So... Let me read that sentence again. J.D. Greer, our SBC president, and I are critical of this move. So, okay, J.D. Greer, where were you contacting the authorities? Russell Moore, where were you contacting the authorities? By believing, uh, uh, I'm sorry, we're critical of this move, believing that it was jeopardized not only the gospel witness SBC, but more importantly the lives of vulnerable children in the Southern Baptist churches. Against constant backroom attempts to stop forward momentum, we were able to get across the finish line some modest steps toward addressing the crisis and the issue. It doesn't say we contacted the authorities. It says then the caring well challenge, for instance, and the formation of credentials committee. And time out. That's all those statements he just made. That's the kind of cr- crap. I'm just going to say it. That 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 so-called ethicist that that the intellectual want to put out. That's all he's done. He's done. He's he's just written down some gobbledygook. And what he's saying is, we passed the buck. We did and, nothing. And as you know. This, so my, so my is point Moore. is, why is he saying it now? I, I, that's the thing. This is Russell Morgan. As you know, our last ERLC national conference was built around the issue of sexual abuse. Okay, look. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. Once again, great cause. We said from the beginning that we wanted to place an honest dialogue around these, around these issues. And we would not police anyone from speaking what he or she had experienced or thought. Once again, that's great. I'm still backing up. You still have, you apparently have left these victims with their uh, abusers. Nobody knows the names. You haven't given any names. You you haven't mentioned it. And I, don't name names in your letter. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, that's not what we're saying. But you, Con- you confront, no, 
confront them via the law enforcement. Via the law enforcement, through the proper channels, okay? All right. And then um, at least one speaker, speaker harshly criticized us for not doing so and not handling these things in the way we thought we should welcome. I welcome that criticism. I learned from it. And I was glad the speaker felt the freedom to do so. At that conference, they had Rachel uh, Denhollander, you know, the one that was the gymnast that was one of the first ones to accuse. And look. From, you're talking about from the Olympic from gymnastics the Olympic. team. yeah. And look. And that turned out to be a fiasco. It's that, a fiasco. He, he abused multiple, multiple young years. girls. Praise God for this lady that she come forward. Yeah. Amen. And was the first one to, to do it. And you know what? I'm sorry that anybody had to go through that. Me too. I, I mean, it is. I don't want my daughters going through that. No. I'd hate to say what I would do if I found out somebody was abusing my daughters. You know, unfortunately, um, in my life, I have known way too many people that have well, been abused. You dealt with the, 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 the convicts with it. So it keeps going on. I mean, another two or three pages, he, he keeps going on. And, he, and, you know, he talks about this, and he said that this enraged some of it. He talks about she told a story, and it enraged the, some of the critics. And then he moves to he got investigated. Paragraph later, he says the, he, he, he gets accused of trying to defund the cooperative program, basically. I have that report downloaded on my phone. It's 11 pages. I haven't read it yet. Uh, yeah, so he gets accused. He, was, to, he was investigated. I he was investigated, up. and he calls it a quote-unquote sexual, or I'm sorry, I'm reading here. I got a paragraph. A secret task force. Yeah. The last time they did this, I was investigated by the president of their body. Now, he doesn't say the president. He insinuates that it might be somebody with an axe to grind against him. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, not really. If you read a little deeper, I, I'm try- when was Paige Patterson's presidency in the SBC? I have no idea when that he, was. He kind of alluded it may have been Paige Patterson because Paige Patterson gets mentioned in letter two. And, you know. Well, you know. Oh, he had the debacle with the affair, yeah. and and you know, and then some. And people, that was of a student. That was of a student, and then I'm a set. Then and then here I get here I go again. That's a great song. Um, it, it um, it, it, I can't. I want to sing it now. Is now I, are we talking about White Snake? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, There's two or three versions of that. She's a student. He's a person of authority. To me, that's borderline abuse. Oh, absolutely. To be I mean, power. well, actually, I won't even it, say it's borderline. Since it's he's abuse. an ethicist, he should be willing to yeah. say that. That's abuse of power. So that's abuse of power mm-hmm. uh, from Paige Patterson. You know, I, I don't agree with it. Uh, that's a that, that that that's that's abuse on Paige. And the and there was people that tried to demonize the young lady. Oh, and low those many months ago when we talked about Ravi and other things, and we and I mentioned a a New American commentary that I wasn't I, on Revelation that, that I didn't want to buy because of that. And you were like, well, you could still learn from it. That's Paige Patterson. That's, it's Paige Patterson. And by the way, they've taken him out of circulation. Yeah, actually, they're going to redo that. It's gonna, I don't remember yeah, it's going to be redone. Hopefully. Also, be. the one you have on Daniel's being redone, and that's a shame because I never got it. Which one? Stephen Miller. I don't know if he's updating. I grabbed it, it on eBay for it. two bucks. Two bucks, dude. I grabbed it on eBay for two Brand new, never been used. I'm so jealous. I grabbed it on, yeah. When you when you know Christmas is coming, and also my birthday's in December. If you feel the need to get rid of a certain book in your collection, sometimes when you get up as early as I do, there's moments where you're like, I got to take a break for a month. Nobody's up in the house, so eBay commentaries becomes a hot search topic. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, the last and he says the last Nerds. time I did this, I was investigated by the president of the body. I, it's got me. later on he kind of insinuates uh, at that very moment using his pastoral authority to sexually sin. And then later, I'm look. I may be loosely connected, not, but I think check Paige Patterson's. You got the computer. Check Paige Patterson's. 
sure. years of presidency and see if he was there. The task force, which we were we were told at the time, is just about finding a way to answer questions. The headlines were Russell Moore and the ERLC under investigation for hundreds of churches leaving and defunding the convention. Their own report showed that claim was false. But there was no similar trumpeting over those findings. That's because that point to keep a cloud over me and to keep self-censoring and silencing those matters. Okay, we talked about sexual abuse. We've made a loose transition in the middle of the letter on they're investigating me. It couldn't have been Patterson. He was there. Okay, he was Patterson. president of the SBC. He does mention Paige Patterson. From 1998 to 2000. Well, maybe it wasn't during his time. Maybe it's just Paige Patterson. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, you'll see the connection here shortly, okay. I, if, I, if I have time. Now, he was the president of the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary for a long time. Okay. 1998 so, to 2003. We talked, about, we, we talked about him, his baptism. Yes. We made a leap over. We talked about Trump. We talked about China. We talked about Obama. We briefly touched on sexual abuse. Russell's getting investigated. Where do you think we'll go next in the topic line? Don't know. At the same time, now I'm not skipping around in a bunch of stuff here. I'm reading highlights, but I'm, I'm literally page by It's not like I skipped three pages. It's literally a paragraph down. Go for At it. At the same time, the other obviously draining and unrelenting issue has been that of racial reconciliation. Okay. My family and I have faced constant threats from white nationalists and white supremacists. Look, if you have, that's wrong. Once again, contact the authorities. Yes, it is wrong. It's wrong. The white supremacy, wrong. It's white a sin and wrong. should be repented sin. of. It's, it's sin. And, and fall on every hand. You and I never, never take a back, back seat to anybody on that. And our hatred nope. of racial injustice and of, and of real racism. Nope. Can't stand it. I hate the woke stuff too. Some of them have We're been involved in neo-Confederate activity going back for years. Okay. Okay. Citation, please. You need to define that. Well, and yeah. citation, please. Who, yeah. Yeah. what, and where are you getting that? Okay. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to make that kind of accusation, provide me some kind of proof. Don't sling mud, that kind of mud, to ruin people. This this is where even Wikipedia would highlight your, your paragraph. And, and give you citation. a chance and say, citation needed, give you a couple of weeks or months to respond. If you don't, they delete it. Some are involved with groups funded by white nationalist organizations. Some of them have just expressed raw racist sentiment behind closed doors. Some Once again, them. but if they're doing it behind closed doors, why are we not bringing to light and going, hey, this gentleman's a racist. This is what he said behind the door. And we don't. That's a sin. He's got a heart problem. At this point, he's left anyway. Right now, we just. At this point, he's left. Why wouldn't you name the right, names? But right now we're slinging mud yeah. and we're making accusations well, with no... Okay, but again, like you said, no no basis for it because here's the thing. I can say some people don't like me. Okay. That's true. Now, but who are those some people? I need to I need to tell you who they are or I don't. I need to shut my mouth. But now we're going to get to the heart of the problem. Okay. We always got to find the problem. Remember, raw sentiment behind closed doors. They want to def- deflect the issue to arcane discussions that people do not understand. Such as what? Critical race theory. CRT. There is no Southern Baptist I know of of any ethnicity who is motivated by any critical critical race theory, but by the text of Ephesians, Galatians, and Romans, the Gospels themselves, the framework of Revelations chapters 4 and 5. Or perhaps you could have just said all of Scripture, that would have worked. Um, from the very beginning of my service, I have been attacked with the most vicious guerrilla tactics on such matters. And I have been told to be quiet about this by others. Our SBC leader, 
who was at the forefront of these behind the closed door meeting. Who? Who? Yeah. Who? Who? What leader? If you're going to try to burn it down, then burn it down and tell us who you're talking about. Then tell us who it is. Because that's what this is. This is slash and burn. He wants to destroy the SBC. Front Bigger Source Assaults had already ripped me to shreds verbally for saying in 2011 that the Southern Baptists should elect an uh, African-American president. And if they do, great. Wonderful. I don't have a problem with it. Mainly because I probably won't be in it much longer. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that come out? Yeah. Is this on? It's on, and, it, and it, you already expressed what we've already expressed in the past. Uh, I mean, individually. Individually. For me, I, as, you know. As, I'm, as I said oh, about two or three episodes ago, I'm only nominally a Baptist. I'm a Baptist in the belief in th- actual confessional baptism. But this is why. But it's, I'm not a Baptist in the sense that I'm loyal to the SBC. This is why. This, mm-hmm. this this is why. This, this jargon is why. Well, the SBC has long been a hotbed of politics. <laughs> and it has been wrong in the past. And they've apologized multiple times for being wrong. And but, then, but we at some point we just have to get to scripture and strict stick to scripture. And by the way, part of scripture is discipline in the church. And if you have an ungodly elder doing something that heinous, first off, they should be turned over to the authorities for prosecution. Secondly, they should be disavowed by the church instead of you cowardly doing these little things. And the I very just, next I letter, said oh, we're, we're on letter one. I know, and you said there's two letters. I, yep, this one. 20 pages. We won't get to it today. No, th- we're going to probably stop with this yeah. one because we still have the whole Mike Stone lawsuit, defamation of character. Russell Moore highlights the sexual abuse in letter two right before the election. And you know that I've got something I want to say about the Supreme Court. <sighs> yeah, because I'm going to let you get that. I'm, I'm going to try to get through this. How long have we been on? How long have we yet? Huh? Raw data until I edit the first couple of minutes where we had some issues of with the wrong thing for the introductory music. Uh, right now we're at 49 minutes. Yeah, the we played Sorry by Patsy Cline at first, so that was our <laughs> intro. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew you were going to. So I'm like, sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, except for the... Where am I at here? Okay. Uh, the, this same leader, remember he talks about the, the African-American president, the same leader told a gathering that the conservative resurgence, that is the conservative resurgence within the SBC, 80s and 90s, is like the Civil War, except this time, unlike the last one, the right side won. Who said it? You just randomly pick a quote out and then like, well, this, um, it would be like me walking up to you going, well, you know what? My third, second cousin removed. And his barber. Told me, <laughs> told me that the lady at the restaurant heard from her cousin. Mm-hmm. It's the same. I mean, yeah. Just provide the. Just source it. Tell just me. Say, just say who it just was. Just say such and such. Why what are, you, are covering you hiding for, yeah, Why are you covering for him now? How do we know this even happened? You could be lying out your teeth. We don't know that. Another SBC leader, next sentence, once again, I walked out of that gathering as one of you. Okay, that's what Russell Moore says. Another SBC leader used constant pressure against me to, in protest of our hiring of Dan Darling and, and Newbell in 2013. At that time, this was, he said, because they did not have adequate Southern Baptist backgrounds. When I answered these concerns to his face, he said, once again, I don't have a name. All I've got is I addressed this gentleman and he said, who's he? Mm-hmm. 
When I answered the concerns to his face, he said, I was really just concerned about the, I'm, once again, I'm reading this. Please do not compress it. I'm reading the letter. I'm really just concerned about that black girl, whether she's an egalitarian or not. When I asked what possibly could lead him to that woman who has written complementarian articles for complementarian websites was an egalitarian. He responded, a lot of those black girls are. Who? Well, that's a racist statement. Yeah, who? That's a legitimate racist statement. It is. It's, but again, you're not telling us who it is. But who is it? Yeah. And I, I went back and read, and if, I, if somebody please tell me if I missed it in this article. Because look, if somebody makes that kind of statement in that context, <laughs> they have the right to not expect that you're not going to tell on them. But then, it, it almost seemed in his They have next, no reasonable expectation of privacy. In his next letter, it seems like all the mysterious who was Mike Stone. But we got to go to letter two to figure that out. Seriously. Well, it's just, it's shrouded in political jargon. So, in the end, okay, so what you're saying so, is, everything he's saying in this first letter, in the second letter, he seems to reveal, or does he point blank reveal? No, he doesn't point blank reveal. He just mentions Mike Stone. And the okay, my concern about these issues is not because I believe in social justice, because now we make the jump. Although in literal meaning of these words, I of course do, as the major and minor prophets tell us. Well, Amos does talk about the weighting of the scales and all that. Go ahead. Go to gty.org. Listen to Pastor John MacArthur exposit the Old Testament prophet on social justice. Okay. Just, just give it a listen. Give it a garner. Let it, let it, let it speak. I may have already done that, but that's the I've done it several years ago. You're telling. But because I'm telling the audience. My concern about such issues is not because I believe in social justice, but because I believe in the doctrine of hell. Okay, good. You call them out for their sin. They need to repent of their sin because if they don't repent of their sin, they're lost. I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. If you are a racial or race person that doesn't like somebody because of their ethnicity, then you need to repent of that sin. Absolutely. That is a sin. And, and, And you need to repent. So. He's saying I'm concerned not because of social justice, okay, but because I believe those people who are unrepentant will be bound in hell sure. forever, not, or cast into hell forever. Yeah. So, okay, I'm, I'm with you. That, if that sin is unrepentant, yeah. I believe in standing against racism not because I love African Americans and Hispanics and Asian Americans well, and I immigrants. I, I Because I love, no, sorry, I read Oh, I'll, okay, okay, I'm sorry. Let I'm me read, that. Let me read that again. I'm glad All you right. said it. I believe in standing against racism... Not just because I love our African-American and Hispanic and Asian-American and immigrant brothers and sisters in Christ, although I certainly do. Yeah, I do too. But because I also love bigots. Well, wait a minute. Well, we actually should. We should be no, concerned about them and praying for them. We should be witnessing and to them. He goes on here and he says something. It, this this Calling out all sinners to repent. Here's but, what he says. All sin is sin. And I believe that unrepentant sin, not brought to the light of Christ and cleansed by the blood of Christ through the gospel, leads to hell. I'm with you, man. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. I got no problem. I really believe in hell. Great. Me too. That's why I've been clear for 25 years on abortion, on sexual chastity, on morality, and racism. Man, I totally the, agree with him I on agree all with these. It, but here's the problem: we've still threw out this stuff of sexual abuse. We've not contacted the authorities. Yeah, and you know that's my problem. You haven't done your job, but now you're complaining about it. And he said, "But here's a here's the pattern: find a way to investigate me in secret. That's Russell Moore, so that the Southern Baptists do not hear what goes on in those rooms. And some of these investigations, what I've been charged with is not playing enough to the bubbas and rednecks. They pay the bills." 
I don't think we have Bubba's and Rednecks. You know what? If they said that, good for Russell Moore for calling it out. Yeah. Okay? They're human beings like the rest of us. I find such slurs offensive and derogatory, personally, as well as ethically. I've been charged with saying that we should combat the devil both in deception of women and thinking abortions is a choice they should make, as well as accusations of the devil, <coughs> excuse me, and telling such women in grief after abortion that they had in the past, they should hide in shame that Jesus does not forgive them. I was told such women should be in shame. When I explain, here's what I'm going to say any of us should be broken over our sin. When we see our sin in juxtaposition to a holy God, that we all should be, you know, um, weeping for our sins, but I don't think they should be in shame. I mean, he can atone for that as well. You know, it's so not lack of atonement there. When I explain what I believe about the gospel, that those united in Christ and repentance and faith are received by the Father as just and righteous, and that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ, I was told, you are not the evangelism department of the Southern Baptist Convention. I thought we were all the evangelism department of the Southern Baptist Convention. They're That's technically the public policy arm of the public. I know. <laughs> That's what they taught me at yeah. Wool Market Baptist Church, which is where he told the salvation story. Mm-hmm. But the strategy here is clear. One of these figures told me in the middle of 17 debacle, we know we can't take you down. All our wives and kids are with you. This is a psychological warfare to make you, Russell Moore, think twice before you do or say something. That's exactly what it is. Okay. Why right now? Why why write this letter in February of 2020 is what I can't I can't fathom. So one journalist said to me, "How many times are you going to try to bail these people out?" Speaking in parentheses, speaking in this case for our work to try to turn around the disastrous floor actions of the alt right in 2017. Now, when he's talking about the alt-right floor actions, I wonder what he's talking about. And he says, followed by the sexual abuse crisis of 18. It's 17. Is that when Askell... It's... Okay. Here's is that the, the women preaching by what standard? Was that was that, that? I don't know for sure. But, I can't remember that year. Um, I'm going to tell you that it's either Ronnie Floyd or Steve Gaines was the SBC president that he's referring to. Because well, he served under both of them. Okay, he mentions Ronnie Floyd several times, too. It's so. either Ronnie Floyd. And Ronnie Floyd is the one that Den Hollander came forward and said that she went to him. I guess maybe he was her pastor and that he did nothing about the abuse. Someone he never And, and you know what? If that's the case, then Ronnie Floyd's in the wrong. Yeah. If it wasn't reported, then Ronnie Floyd's in the wrong. And both Ronnie Floyd and Steve Gaines were part of the... And and Steve right, Gaines... Right conservative. You Steve know. Gaines. Isn't Steve Gaines right now at uh, Bellevue, Bellevue, down where Adrian Rogers was uh, in Memphis? Is that where Steve Gaines is? Um, am I thinking the right guy or am I getting him crossed? Actually, no, I think you're right. I, think I, think I, did I, see I may that. be getting him crossed. I think I did see that. Because um, I think there's a sexual abuse allegation uh, going on yeah, now. Yeah, before arriving at Bellevue, he was 14 years at Gardendale First Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, but I think Bellevue down there may be um, in a debacle now. Uh, I, it may be. I don't know. I'm, don't quote me on that. Here's an article on mishandling of uh I think it mishandled of ministers. some abuse. Yeah. I think there was some mishandling of some stuff going on. Some issues um, with uh, sexual predators in the yeah. church. So it could have been either one of those two. Uh, but, but, okay, but okay. Here's what else I'm going to say. Can, can I say this one thing about him? Yeah. What, uh, okay, but, but who's but, him? Who's him? Who are you saying him? Russell, Russell Moore. Okay, go ahead. I just want to make sure R- we were Russell off Russell Moore wrote a book on, on uh, adoption mm-hmm. that is actually good. Okay. He is a proponent of adoption. 
and that sort of thing and how people he personally adopted two children from Russia if I'm not mistaken I think it was Russia uh, I think I think one or I think one or both had special needs I could be wrong about that I am not saying Russell Moore is a bad man himself no I, that's neither one of us are saying but that. as as president of the ERLC he has been involved in a whole lot of what I think are bad pushes within the Southern Baptist Convention well yes and then he is genuinely in my opinion part of woke Christianity. Well, it was also part of the whole... I don't deny his own belief in Christ. I, I think what he said is very orthodox. I don't deny that he witnessed or heard about things that were things that came to his attention. No, but that, why wouldn't the proper channels But follow? neither he nor J.D. Greer did anything about it. They were just concerned. Front them out. Expose it. Look, bring it to the light. The Bible tells us to bring all these dark hidden sins and that they're in the church to bring them to the light and get rid of them, expunge it. We're not to keep it hidden. No, and... and you know, we go back, let's see, so when was J.D. Greer elected president? Or, of course, you know, he served next year. 19? Yeah. So. It should have been, well, 18? I'm thinking it was 19. 19. Yeah, he should have served 19 and 20 and been done, but, because you, you do two terms back to back. Yeah, so get two terms, it's back to back. 19 was the year that the big Beth Moore push and egalitarianism oh, absolutely because we talked about and that that was the time school people year. said oh no that'll never happen that well it didn't happen but she left the convention because of it that's the year askel the by watch standard that's the year that 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 you're talking that about tom began. askel tom askel uh and, and i here's there's more going on because the sbc that the ec has um now you waved. know they, they consider tom askel a misogynist anti-woman yeah, they, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of that. They really, um, and I don't agree with it. No, I don't. I don't think um, that was the point of his message, which came, um, out, came out in that as uh, a documentary, isn't it? Yeah, it's a. It's a you can get it on, watch it on YouTube for free. By yeah. watch standards, it's actually pretty good. That's that. That was the whole Beth Moore thing that was going on, and the that was the resolution nine. Um, what was it we said in? The, what was it we said then at the local church? Hey, within a couple of years, you're going to have to try to decide whether or not you want to pull Guess out of the SBC. Guess what? We're a couple of years, and you're getting ready to have to make. And some you're going to have to make some decisions about whether or not you want to stay with the SBC. Because what's going to happen look, with the SBC? I'm, look, now we have these lawsuits, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. The EC has now waived their their uh, lawyer client privileges. Basically, that's dumb as a box of rocks. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend you to Tom Askell go to your your local podcast provider you know whether it's apple or spotify or whatever type in founders ministry or you can go to the sword in the trial um i believe it's not their latest episode but the one before that they actually speak to an ec committee member mm-hmm. uh, i can't remember his name so i don't want to i don't want to buff it that was one of the worst things that they could possibly do because if the allegations come to light and lawsuits happen the amount of so basically insurance companies will drop them so you're insured so the insurance companies will drop them and, and then when you lose these lawsuits and you have to pay these multiple million dollars of, of settlements money. it's going to have to come out of cooperative money which means and, which means you can't fund missions and the cooperative money i've got some numbers here um off of the stone defamation lawsuit that's coming i don't know if these are current we didn't even mention that mike stone is now suing well that's this is next time okay because i didn't get the letter i didn't get the letter too yeah we'll do that next time it says the task force noted in its report in february 22nd of 2021 russell moore's was february 24th so after that uh the church has perceived a leftward 
or a liberal drift in the SEC. The report was given three examples among the 15 conventions. The church withheld cooperative gifts or departed the SBC, 250 churches in one convention, 94 in another, 46 in a third. It says uh, state conventions, 4 million in state conventions, 1.5 million international mission boards, 700,000 North American mission board name, 700,000 theological education at six seminaries, 100,000 executive committees. So we'll have to figure out those terms. But now what happens is the cooperative money from each individual church that gives to the SBC. Uh, if the insurance companies do drop them, your money now is uh, maybe going to pay off lawsuits. And the attorneys for the SBC, I'm thinking, resign, most of the attorneys. So, Well, we certainly won't spend another hour on this, but there is we may on this in the future, very near future. But, I mean, we're not going to spend another hour on the subject I want to move us to right this minute. But we are going to spend a, just a few minutes on something because I've got to bring this up to people if they're not aware. You need to be praying. Uh, you, all should, you always should be paying for, praying for those in authority. You should always be praying for your leaders. You should always be praying for your government. If for nothing else, for repentance because they need it just like everybody else, right? Well, right now you need to be praying about the rapid the movement Texas. of this case in the Texas abortion law. Uh, towards, Didn't they have to have it ready by Thursday, you told me? They had to have it ready by noon Thursday of this week. So two days ago, it was 48 they, they were told on Thursday, they were told on Tuesday by Justice Alito, who oversees that as as a justice of the Supreme Court. He oversees, every one mm-hmm. of the justices has a region of the country that they oversee, certain states. Texas falls into his jurisdiction. He told them what happened is the federal government under the Biden administration, the Department of Justice, our current attorney general, who was... President, former President Obama's uh, nominee for the Supreme Court, who was declined. Oh, Garland. Merrick Garland, who was presented as a moderate and is not a moderate. He was not a moderate. He is not a moderate. I like it. You said that with a straight face. There Good was, job, my friend. There was, there was recently an article, and I want to say it's in the Washington Post or the New York Times, in which a person who is not a conservative wrote this article and said, if you believe you have the right to supervise your children's education, you're probably on Merrick Garland's list. He did, because Merrick Garland doesn't believe pre- parents have any say in what goes on in the schools. He wants them out of the PTA meetings. He doesn't want a PTA anymore. And that's the definition of a moderate. Yeah, no, that's the definition of totalitarianism. What is happening is we're going to nationalize public education I'm, to the I'm, point. I know you're being facetious. You, those of you who don't know, I'm being extremely I, sarcastic. I know you are, point. but I don't want to spend a long time on this and because we have been sitting here a long time and my bladder is screaming. Anyway, <laughs> I've had too much coffee. I'm comfy. Uh, the, the thing is that we we've got to be aware that they pushed for the Supreme Court. They petitioned the Supreme Court to do a rapid thing to bypass the normal chain of events in a case where you you win or lose a certain thing, then you appeal it. It was in the appellate uh, circuit court. It was going to go to a full circuit court review. That would have happened sometime by the end of this year, and then probably early next year if it if they, they, they were summer to appeal it again, before. right. To the Supreme Court. This fast tracks it. They're asking them to do it by December. In order to do that, they've got to have all their arguments in. Alito said, okay, what we'll do is I'll tell Texas they've got to get me the information. You've got to write a defense for your law. Give us the constitutional argument. Send it to us. Why should we not put a hiatus on this or even declare it unconstitutional? See, the constitutional issue shouldn't even be the issue yet. It should just be whether or not we're going to have a stay of the law temporarily. But they're going right to the constitutional. They're going right to the constitutional argument. Is this law even constitutional? What is happening is the federal government is trying to force the Supreme Court to rule on Roe v. Wade. Once again, that's what they're trying to do. 
Which is exactly what they didn't want to happen for the last four years prior to this. But now they want them to. And I'm going to explain why I think they want them to. The commission came out. Remember when he was running for president and he was pushed on this multiple times. Are you going to get a commission together to pack the court? And he said, I'm not going to discuss this. No, he wouldn't discuss it. He, he says, still won't He says, it. I get elected. The thing is, he, he stated that he was he was not going to answer that question until he was elected. You elect me, then I'll tell you what, what my plan is. But he are. still hasn't answered the question. Well, he, the he did form the committee. And they yeah, formed and, a committee, but he still hasn't answered the question whether he will and this or quote, will not do bipartisan it. Bipartisan committee, I'm doing finger quotes, the, the bipartisan committee has ruled that no, they really shouldn't add members to the court in their preliminary. But that sent everybody on the left into ex- an ecstasy of just anger. And they're repulsed at the committee. A couple of the conservatives they had on the committee actually resigned because they said, we, we can't even get a word in edgewise with this stuff. And we're done. And we've got problems with this committee. And they leave. But in general, they took a moderate view and said, nah, at this time, there's no reason to actually change the number of justices. You know, but that's not what they want. They want a large supermajority of left-leaning Let's just call them that. They're leftist, non-strict constructionists. Yeah, they want justices that will just rule the Democratic Party platform, always. And another thing that was brought up, they did recommend looking into term limits on all federal justices to include the Supreme Court justices and the Chief Justice. Not a lifetime appointment as we see now. Well, that's the Constitution. Yeah, but I, the, I know. And the committee did state they're not sure this 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 recommendation is even constitutional, but they do think it should be looked into. I can firmly tell you as someone who re, has read the Constitution, reread it, reread it, reread it, and no, I'm not a lawyer, but as someone who just kind of, it's a hobby of mine. You did stay the holiday in. Const- night, I did once. But constitutional law was one of my little quirks growing up. It still is. It still is. That's not constitutional. They would have to do a uh, amendment and and get that get that taken by all by two thirds of the of all states. It do be you or do you not have a po- pocket constitution? I do. Okay, there you go. Because I just I just thought we would put this to rest real quick. I may be a history you, nerd because you could find out real quick. By one question, do you or do you not have a pocket? And really, everybody should have one yep. if you want to know the, the truth. The one I've I mean, got even has the Declaration of Independence first and then the full Constitution. And I bet it's well used. It's, it's pretty worn out. And I started to say. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm picking at you. I know. But really and truly, everyone should Honestly, read it. everybody should well, have the, one. Well, the founders said that. Yeah. Everybody they said everyone should have this. They should cherish it. They should read it. They should know it. They never intended the Constitution to be for lawyers. They said that. It's for the people. Well, it's for the people to hold the lawyers in check. And for the last how many years we've had to figure out was there, whether it's a breathing document. Oh, or, yeah. You know, that's been the whole the oh, push yeah. of you know, what, the last what, 10 years, probably. The only document on the earth that has life is the Bible. Yeah. It, it's, it's Because it's the words of God. It's words of life. Now, I just saw yesterday that they're going to have arguments in court, in the Supreme Court, in the SCOTUS. When? November 1st. Oh, so wow. Before so, two weeks. We, so before, before we, we record. even record again... They're going. To, they're going to have already heard arguments. They will make their decision by December. I promise you. Now, here's the thing. You know what else comes up? November, December, right? The Mississippi law. We've already talked about this Mississippi, Mississippi law. To which a guy from the Washington Post, and he his name is Sharif Gerges, an associate professor of law at Notre Dame Law School. He says this, and he titles the, the article this. It's an opinion article. There is no middle ground in the Mississippi abortion case. The court must overrule Roe. 
if they do what he thinks they're going to do, they'll they'll be stuck. They'll have to overrule Roe versus Wade. And if that happens, chaos. We already have chaos. We already have I chaos. Mean, we're already now. This is where Roy's rants comes in. I am sick to death of hearing about a woman's right to choose. And you can call me a messiah. I will. I'll lose people. I'll, we'll probably lose some listeners on this. If you do, you're. If you do quit and give up on me because of what I'm about to say, you probably never got the point of this podcast to begin with. Life begins at conception. Go to get. Go to David's discussion with with God in Psalm, where he discusses before you before you formed my innermost parts. It's literally talking about the internal organs. Yes, you knew me. You yeah. put me together. You'd already created me. So that's talking about in the womb. In my, he says in my mother's womb. The prophet Jeremiah is told that that uh, before you were born, I knew you. In Daniel, hold on, let me add something. This goes along with what we're talking about. He saved us. Yes. Before the foundation of, of the, the earth world ever was existed. Was already God's omniscient that, predetermined that, plan that Jesus would die for sin. You got it. Absolutely. I mean, so. And if he's going to die for sin, who's he dying for? Sinners. He's dying if he's for dying sinners? for sinners, that means who? God already knew who we he's were dying, and everything I, about us. Much as you don't like it, he's dying for the elect. That's right. The electos. I mean, it's so, just is. So, but I, I want to interject yeah, that. I, I mean, know, it's, yeah, I just Because it's a theological that. statement here. This yeah. is a theological statement. Life begins at conception. Yeah. Um, the sperm and the egg are joined, and that life begins. So even before you detect a heartbeat, if there's a small embryo that's developing, it's life. We determine that algae, slime in a pond, is life, right? But we don't give protection for humans. We protect, they protected frogs in the late 90s, early 2000s. The federal government did, you know, because the EPA said, oh, there's a group of frogs that are going to be destroyed out west. So they dried up farmland all across, all across California and, and stopped irrigation because it was going to kill some frogs. They didn't want them taking that. They didn't want them changing that, diverting that water to have farmland. The spotted owl. You're worried about a frog. The spotted owl. But you murder babies. The spotted owl. Some years ago, they had put a freeway in right around L.A. Yes. They had got to the end of the project, had to reroute the whole project. I'm, I'm doing this off memory, so if some please give me grace. If and, some and it's my, an old, it's an old please, story. Please give me grace. If some of the, they had to reroute most of a large majority of the project because it was a spotted owl habitat. And that's a protected species. Yep. But you know, what's not protected? A baby. The most vulnerable person on the planet. Most, we, most vulnerable creature. God's creation on the planet is the baby in the womb. In the U S it's, it's, it's lifetime. We've lost a generation. We're Gen Xers, and if and if we had been, yeah, if, I'm not millennial. If we had been, there. I'm just going to let you have it. We're, we're I Gen will argue we'll, that we'll just say that, we'll just say that Chayla and I are Gen Xers. Okay, our generation was the first one affected by abortion, and because of that, I mean, I'm literally born about three months before the decision on Roe versus Wade. Because of that, and you're a few years after. I'm a few years after. Because of that. We possibly would not have existed. Also, there were states that already allowed abortion at the time that I was born. Well, you know, I'll add something personal to it. Um, I won't say how many, but before we had our first child, we suffered loss, you know, um, and we mourned the loss of a child. I mean, 
whether it was early or late in pregnancy, we mourned the loss of a child. Um, Do you know and, what I think is is beautiful though? I I firmly believe this. You will see them. Oh yeah, as human beings, as breathing, living creatures in the new heaven and new earth. And, and I'll know them because you'll know them. And another thing we get from that is that's also David. When David's baby through Bathsheba died, before he before the baby died, the child he, he was miserable. He was he was dressed in sackcloth and ashes, pouring ashes on his head and crying to God to please save my child. The child dies. He cleans himself, takes a bath, puts on his robe, and sits on the throne. And they're like, "What's the deal?" Basically, I'm paraphrasing. And he says, they "Bring him back. No mourning now. We'll bring him back." While he was alive, there was still a chance, and I cried to my God. Now I can't. Bring him back to me, but I can go to be with him. You know, his, and there's his a, his belief was David was I will see my son. Well, I won't say it. Yeah, well, there's in a the whole, resurrection there, and there's a whole movement that says that that's actually just talking about he can see him in Sheol before. I'm like, man, I'm not there. No, I'm not there. There, there you is, might as well believe in purgatory. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a there is a I know a pretty conservative theological. Yeah, there. I know that that doesn't mean they're right. Okay, no. so so anyway. Guys, be praying. You don't have very many days, and pray they have the courage. But more importantly, pray for peace in our nation if they actually rule what is actually constitutional, and they go justly, and they do say the Texas law is constitutional, and then they rule in the Mississippi, and they overturn Roe versus Wade. By the way, that's what all of us that are pro-life actually want. But the pro-death, don't call it pro-choice. It's pro-death, because guys, this is infanticide. And when I said guys, I'm generic here. I'm not being sexist. I mean men and women, mankind, all people, brothers and sisters in Christ. Understand this. There are some issues we can agree to disagree with and, and get on with. But I have a hard time with people that are Christian, quote Christian, that take a sort of laissez-faire, hands-off approach to the, to the issue of abortion. Well, you know, in some cases, rape and incest, it's not the baby's fault. Nor am I condemning the mother to a lifetime of raising some, a child that's going to remind her of it. We have adoption, folks. And we should be making adoption cheaper and more easily, ava- more readily available to people instead of the chaos and insanity that it is now. Mostly foreign adoptions is what we do today. And yeah, you want to know why so that is? To, We're aborting all of our babies here. Well, it's so hard to adopt domestically, too. I mean, yeah. it's a painstaking it is. to do it. Plus, we're, we're aborting all of our babies. Well, I mean, I'm not arguing that, but... So I, so I'm just. So we'll know the next I, time. I am upset. I really am, and I'm, I'm genuinely praying that God will give us a reprieve. Because look, I'm telling you something. I've been saying this for years, and I've made a lot of enemies saying this as well. But unless God gives us just grace, we're already under His condemnation. He doesn't have to do well, anything. He doesn't have to apologize to us. We need to be on our knees crying out for mercy from Him for on the behalf of our children and grandchildren. Because the truth is, we have sold our society out to. Many things, but mostly convenience, laziness, selfishness. That pride has cost us so many things, and I'm going to go th- through those cases. It's been it's been first and foremost the deep throat case. If you don't know what that is, it's a vulgar term, but it was when they legalized pornography, public exhibition of pornography, the Supreme Court, and it's Roe versus Wade. And then in 2015, it's the Obergefell decision. Those three cases, all in my lifetime, are an abomination, and they're a they're a judgment on this nation. John MacArthur said in a probably a, a sermon that was ad lib, basically. I don't think planned. Um, he began speaking one night, and he his first opening statement was the greatest terroristic threat has ever happened to any country. And he was talking specifically about the United States. 
was the legalization of abortion and the legalization of same-sex marriage. That's the two greatest acts of terrorism. I, I add pornography. And because pornography came along right during the heart of sure. the sexual revolution, so did Roe v. Wade after at the tail end of it, and it was it was all the me generation, and it was all about uh, I now have the pill, and I don't have to have a baby, but if something happens and I do get pregnant, well then I can always abort it. And then on top of everything else, you've got men living like dogs going out to these seedy um, theaters in raincoats. The raincoat brigade watching porn—that's what it was—and then that, then, then of all things, most sinister thing in the world could happen. The VCR became affordable, moved into the home, and that's when porn entered the home. And now it's ubiquitous because it's on the internet. And and parents, you better watch what your kids are doing. I promise you, kids as young as seven and eight years old in America today are watching porn. And like I said, it's it's just the debauchery is off the rails as just everything. We are essentially Sodom and Gomorrah. What was it our pastor said? If um, judgment is not rendered upon America, and I think it's been said multiple times, judgment is not rendered on America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah apology. I mean, we say that facetiously. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, he owes I can nobody an apology. I can remember hearing a good old fundamentalist. But he owes nobody Jack an apology. Jack Van Impey saying that, going all the way back to the late 70s. They say that he was quoting Billy Graham, that Billy Graham said it in the mid-70s. Hey. How much further are we down the line from there? We have... An announcement. Oh, yeah. Concerning next time. Well, first off, we have an announcement that I have a new computer. It works beautifully, and we are going to be back to scheduled. producing scheduled um, podcasts. I apologize for that, but we're back to producing regular, regularly scheduled podcasts in two weeks. In two weeks, we are we started this study um, well over a year ago. We had we had Jonathan in. He We spoke on eschatology. The study of the last things, the eschaton. Uh, we are. We always said we were going to have a third part. Schedules never really worked. Never out. worked out. I know he's been available <laughs> a, a few year times. later. <laughs> he's been available a few times. We haven't. Um, we all have younger children, and we have sports, and we have church, and we have lives, and it just our lives have all not meshed to be able to make it happen. But it has come together on November the 6th. We are going to have a roundtable discussion. Yeah, we're having an, uh, a fourth member uh, of the team. So we are going to have a f- pastor at our church. Brother Dan. Pastor Dan. <laughs> Brother is Dan be here. going to be here uh, in, in, in studio with us. Not Lieutenant Dan. Not, not, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, you, you got your legs back. So we're going to... Dan will be here with all four, all, all uh, both legs, not all four legs, but all four limbs. That's what I was going to say. Dan's going to be here with all four of his Dan, limbs. Uh, Dan will be here on all four legs. All four of his limbs, he will be here, and we're going to have some, uh, 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 hopefully, a in-depth discussion. Well, you, 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 this was your idea because you got excited by doing this what twenty-page book on the history of eschatology in the church. I am long-winded. Yes, and a professor asked me. Would you please write a paper on eschatology through church history? Preterist, um, yeah, um, futurist, futurist historicist, and- historicist. Would you write a paper? By the way, then examine Origen and Augustine and see where they lie, and then make sure to discuss the biblical means of it. And by the way, I need you to do it in twenty pages. No pressure. <laughs> I went over the mark, and I got reprimanded for going over the mark, too. You he were said, too, you were too he long? said it was a good paper, but it, it pushed 30. 
Oh, yeah, he reprimanded I me. You grade just did wise. a twenty page. No, he reprimanded me. It pushed thirty. Okay, his project basically, was supposed to have been he, twenty page. I had no idea you basically he said uh, you pretty much wrote a small dissertation. So <laughs> 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 no, he's a great paper. I just got to take you off because you're old. It count me off. Uh, so. Just send me a PDF. I want to read it. And uh, and and you know what's funny is Roy Roy knows where I lean, and Roy yeah. is the only one that knows. I won't tell anybody where I lean. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a fun to me. Yeah. It's an evolving, and it's an evolving concept. concept. It, it is because, you know, the idea of rescue sounds awful, awful nice. Please. Uh, but there is a place where I kind of land, mm-hmm. but then again, you know, but I enjoy listening to people. There is one, I, and I'll say it, that I can't get on board with. I've told Jonathan knows. I have told him this. I can't. I have. I can't get on board with post. I, I just. I just struggle <laughs> there. And I'm not going to sit here and go no, the Bible. I, for me, but we're going to allow Jonathan to. But talk. But I want him to talk. We're I mean, not going to put no, tape over his mouth. No, I'm not going to put him down. I want to hear it. I mean, but I want to hear it. I want to hear Dan. Dan falls in a unique position. I'll let Dan describe where Dan's at if Dan wants to. If he doesn't want to, then we'll just have a good conversation. But. um it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it because you and I are kind of the. I swear to you, I'm just going to moderate. I just want to sit here and let I'm y'all not talk. Gonna get involved. In well, no, I want I you mean, to I'm, talk. I'm going to talk. I want you to like get it, in and, uh, and rebut things. You should. But it, it's for, I've got a handful of questions I'm going to ask, and that's so, about all I know. Yeah, it, it's 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 not a debate. It's, no, it's not it's a real not debate. A debate. It's a it's discussion. It's a roundtable discussion. Yeah, it's honestly a discussion. And I, I don't know if you've ever watched it, but there is a, on YouTube. Doug Wilson. You can watch Doug Wilson, Sam Sam Storms, and hosted by John Piper. And there was another one, and I can't remember well, his John name. John Piper has really went. Uh, well, okay, I know. We'll talk. That's for the next. Oh, yeah, we got another article by John Piper. We, didn't we can even. do a John Piper thing in the future, too. You know, but uh, I really don't want to because I love John Piper. Sure, I do, too. You know, and I don't, I don't want to because I don't know what's happened. I don't either. He's not woke. It's kind of like what uh, John Cooper from Skillet, the lead singer of Skillet, um, he has a podcast called Cooper Stuff. And he was talking, I don't know, sometime last year about, and he he, he named names. So I'm, I'm, I'm quoting him. He named Tim Keller and a handful of other people that he said, I, I read their books. I have always gotten a lot of, he said, I'm not a very smart man. And they, they are. And I get a lot of deep things from him on theology. He said, I what it, he said, "What's happened? Uh, I just don't understand." That, that, yeah. Now I'm oh, I'm excited uh, about have, having that, and we still plan to have our other friend that we're planning on having, uh, Mauricio. Yes, as we're trying to work we, it as out as soon as we can. We're trying to get him involved. Uh, this will we want this will be a, just will just story. be a we want his story. We just want um, to talk to him. Uh, we heard him preach, and it was really good. And I just want to hear him talk and tell his life story a little bit. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there is some more news. I forgot one thing. What's that? T4G, Together for the Gospel, Al Moeller, a bunch of those guys, Legan, Duncan. Sure. Uh, they do it every two years in April. They have announced this April, last one. They're dissolving. They're dissolving T4G. They've all drifted and, apart. And, unless something, unless I'm missing something, uh, unless I'm missing something altogether, Al Moeller's not even speaking. So, and on that note. Things have definitely changed. And on that note. Yeah. We wish you the best and have a good day, fellows. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Get the Lord willing and the creek don't rise, as they say in the country. And uh, God bless you.